0: Good morning, One Life Church. It is so good to see you today. How many are excited about being at church this morning? If you are, can I hear from you a good amen this morning? Man, today is going to be a lot of fun. Hey, before we jump into closing out our series, The Best Summer Ever, can you do something for me? Everybody here at the Nant Pacific Center, throw your hands and let's welcome our online church family. Come on, we love our online church family. Come on, throw your hands together. Let them know how much you love them. Wherever you're joining us today, we want you to know that you are our family and we cannot wait to see you soon. Little birdie tells me we've got people as far south as Florida watching us right now, all the way as far northwest as Alaska. Come on, somebody. So technology amazes us and uh, we want you to know that you are our family we're just so glad that you're along for the ride today well you guys you're in for a treat today we've got a special guest who's closing out this series for us i'll tell you more about him in a moment Uh, But before i do i just want to remind you of a couple things number one everybody say 21 days (laughs) <laughs> you kind of have to sing it, 21 days, sorry that's the worship leader coming out of me. Uh, 21 days, what is that? It's a season of prayer. Uh, we do this two times uh, out of the year, um, and some people ask, "Why? Don't, Re, Re, what's so big deal? I mean, I know we're supposed to pray, but why do we do two seasons of 21 days of prayer? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Can I give you the shortest bottom line reason? It's because uh, I need Jesus. I need God's power. I need God's presence. Um, I'm not cool enough. I'm not smart enough to lead this church without God's wisdom, his direction, his clarity. As great as you are, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough to lead your family, guys. Uh, Ladies, you're not good enough, smart enough to love your husbands as incredible as he is without a little bit of God's help. Can I get an amen from everybody in the room? And so 21 days of prayer is just a time that we've set aside. We do a season of this at the beginning of the year. And the reason we do it at the beginning of the year is because we believe there's a principle in God's word that teaches us that if you tithe your first or if whatever you give God your first of, it has the power. God somehow, some way does it. I don't know how it works, but whatever you give God first, he always has the power to bless the rest of everything. And so we give God the first part of our year saying, God, we need, we need you more than ever. And a lot of people ask me all the time, Red, if there's a secret sauce to One Life Church, being able to grow through a pandemic uh, in every area of the church. What is it? And I'm going to say it's the seasons of 21 days of prayer. It's the seasons of seeking God, asking for his help. In fact, I knew that this was so important that before we launched our church, some of you who are new with us today may not know this, but we launched our church September the 16th of 2018. We're coming up on three years young, everybody. Come on, yeah, we're almost there, we're going. And so we're just getting started. But before we did, I was like, God, I cannot do this without you. And so we led our church through a season of 20 days right before we launched into the fall season. Thus, the reason we do this in the fall, because I don't know why, but just as there's seed time and harvest in the natural, did you know that there's a seed time and harvest in the spiritual? In other words, there's something happened. More people tend to give their hearts to Jesus or whether or not they're more open to come to church and to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ in the fall. Did you know that? And so because of that, what do we do? Well, we're kind of doing a reset coming out of the summer, what I call the summer slump, where it's all about me, myself, and I. Gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy. I need more barbecue. I need more, you know what I'm saying? I literally have probably gained about 20 pounds in the month of July alone. You know, am I the only one? Don't leave me up here. Come on. And so it's a great reset naturally, but more than that, it's just to say, God, we recognize Lord, there are people who are hurting that are going to be coming to church looking for hope. And Lord, we want to be ready for them. And Lord, honestly, we just, we need your help. And so that's what we're doing. It's as simple as I can say it. We need God's help. And so I want to encourage you to participate in 21 Days of Prayer. Now, we're going to be doing that Monday through Friday at the church office from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. throughout the week, Saturdays at 9 a.m. You can see all of this information on our website. So if you go to olc.church, click on the link. This is 21 Days of Prayer, and you'll find all the information there. You're going to hear more about this as we get into next Sunday. And so I don't want you to miss out on this. All right. Hey, guys, Uh, we are a message note taking church about to jump into the message today. I want to remind you that uh, we want to encourage you. We want to inspire you. That's going to happen today. But more than that, we want to put some tools in your hand Monday through Saturday, uh, some practical ways to live this thing out. And so that's what our message notes are all about. So if you're in the room today, you can go to our website and swipe down. You'll see a button that says message notes. If you're joining us online today, you'll see a button that says sermon notes. You can click that and follow along with the message today. Now, I'm really excited today because I've got a dear friend uh, who's going to be closing out this series And uh, his name is Pastor Brian Taylor. Some of you know who he is. He and his wife planted a church last year. You ready for this? September the 19th, I believe it was, 2020, y'all, in the middle of a pandemic year. He's like, I got the faith from the Lord to plant a church in the craziest time of our planet. And can I tell you what's been happening? They planted this church over in CUNA, Idaho. So, like, they're our neighbor, okay? So, they planted and they're experiencing just people and lives being changed, families being healed, and people coming to Christ. And it's incredible. And I, he may mention this today, but I'm gonna go ahead and brag on you guys for a second. Because of your generosity, because of your giving to One Life Church, guess what you were able to do, or what we were able to do with that? We were able to invest in them and to help plant that church called E3 Church in CUNA. So, you, my friends, I'm telling you, you're about to hear from a church planner that you planted in the Treasure Valley. That's pretty exciting. And so i have always talking about the big C church, big C church. What does that mean? It means there are, there's, there is so much more out there than just one life. One life is awesome. It, I think it's incredible and God's doing some cool things, but man, we're here in this valley alongside people like pastor Brian and his wife, Jamie serving this community. And uh, I'm just so excited today, my friends to welcome to the platform, somebody who, who is living out what you're about to hear. In fact, when I asked him to speak a couple of months ago and we were talking um, he began just to kind of churn some stuff out and some ideas, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is a word for God for my life, for my family. And in fact, I really feel like this is a word from God for our church. And he preached an incredible message in this first service. And I'm telling you, it, it's really going to hit home, and I believe with all my heart, if you come with open expectation, anticipation, it's really going to bless you today, and you're going to leave here a little bit closer to Jesus, and it's going to be incredible. So could you do this? The Bible teaches us to show honor, and we're an honoring church, and it would mean so much to me if you would stand to your feet all across the room, even online, throw your hands together. Help me welcome Pastor Brian Taylor from E3 Church, Cuna, Idaho, to the platform as he brings God's word to us today.
1: Man, oh man, wow, it is awesome to be here. I had, I had a crazy moment um, during worship time this morning. You gotta know this, and uh, those of you that are online or here today, um, God just brought me back to a year ago when I was here with you guys, and I had no idea what to expect and didn't know what was about to happen um, with a pandemic or anything, and so much uncertainty and um, if it wouldn't have been for One Life Church and multiple churches like you guys, we would have never made it. And I just, I just want to say that. So thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. And I love your pastor. Love, rap man. This guy's so real. Uh, there's many times, Saturday night, Sunday morning, I'll get a text from this guy and he'll just pour into me and just say, man, I'm praying for you, we're here. And I, I got to tell you guys, those are the things that helped us carry through the season. We, we, we relaunched three times. Um, we, we planted in September and ended up having to go online. And then we um, got in an elementary school and they shut us down in there and we had to go back online. And then in January, we're in the CUNA High School now. And you know what? You know what's so cool is God. People said, you know what? God didn't call us to CUNA to fail. God didn't call us to CUNA to be like, oh, sorry, I'm surprised by all this. God wasn't surprised by any of it, and God used it to just glorify Himself. And we're seeing lives change. So thank you so much to each of you, um, man. I am just blessed and I'm on the journey as well. What I'm gonna be sharing with you today is just something that God's been teaching me. And so I'm not pointing fingers, I'm just, God's just saying this is for you, so I'm sharing with you what God has said, said to me today. About, a, oh, probably three, four years ago, I was, prior to planting the church, I was in the middle of, uh, I was an executive pastor here in Nampa actually at Grace Bible Church, and I'd done that for 10 and a half years, loved my job, and then God called me to plant church. <laughs> and you're like, really? Um, and God said, hey, I want you to step out in faith and do this. And, but about five, I think it was around five years ago, I was in the middle of what I was doing. It was busy, it was go, 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 and my rhythm of life was just chaos. And all of a sudden, I started having all kinds of physical issues. I went in to the doctor, and the doctor said, man, Brian, well, we need to run some blood tests. And they started hooking me up to heart monitors and all kinds of tests and walking me through this journey. And I was like, God, what are you doing? What is going on? I don't understand this. And the doctors ran tests; they couldn't figure it out. And one day, I went into the doctor's office, and my doctor was on vacation, and a an associate doctor was filling in for him. And he, um, she, it was a lady doctor, and she she walked up and she said, "Brian, I've looked at all your tests, and I've I've researched everything that you guys have done, and he's he's made the right steps. There's one test that we haven't done that I'm wondering, and it's a CMV test. And I'm like, what's that? Like." All of a sudden, uh, it sounds bad. Like, okay, um, I'm not a medical expert in any way, and I'm like, what? Whatever that is. And she's like, let's just run the test, and then we'll talk about kind of next steps. And went and got the blood test. Sure enough, came back. Um, I, I had CMV, and and it was flaring up in my body. And most adults and children, I guess, carry CMV, and it was it it'll kind of flare up with certain people. And she goes, Brian, what I'm prescribing to you today is rest. <laughs> serious? Like, that's what you got for me? I just did all that blood test, paid all those extra copays and everything, and then go go to bed, Brian. I'm like, oh my goodness. So my life began to change how I was doing life before, and I started getting eight hours of sleep, and wouldn't you know it, all of a sudden my body started to heal. And what I want to talk to you today about is something that we don't always do really well, and that's rest. I want to talk to you about God's design and how he created us and how to create a rhythm of rest. And God took me down a journey of saying, Brian, I can do more with your life if you trust me with it. I can give you the best summer ever. I can give you a life to the fullest if you learn to trust me with what I can do. And God began to help me understand and see what that might look like. And God, in his mercy, put me down and stopped me, in a sense, to give me new perspective, to give me new life. God, in a sense, he had to stop me to help me get me on the right path. And you say, man, God's going to hurt you like that? No, he wasn't hurting me. He knew he had something for me. He had to add to my life by subtracting from my life. He had to invest in me in a way that I felt like was taking away and how am I going to keep up with everything and what he was subtracting from my life and stopping me, he began to add to my life and I needed a new rhythm of rest. So my goal today is just to challenge us today, what does that look like in our lives? How do we do this? And that's what I want for each of you. Because here's the reality. It might look a lot of times like Pastor Rhett gets up here and teaches, and man, this guy is just on fire for God, and he's got everything figured out. He understands Scripture like I don't understand. And, and man, how does he see things the way he sees things in Scripture? And I'm just failing in life. Or you might see somebody else, another believer in your life. You look at him, and you're just like, wow. And here's what I want you to know, that ministers like myself, like Rhett, If you've watched the news at all, ministers just like us, they fail. Ministers, many times, they break morally, they break emotionally, and I broke physically. And so it doesn't matter what you do and what status the world gives you. What we need to understand is that the titles, the positions, the role, all of that does not make life like, you, it doesn't just put your life together and you're, you don't have your life together because of that. What our life teaches us sometimes is if we don't stop, we will get stopped. Yes. So, good. Good. so often, if, you, if, you're, if you're like I was during that season, I was working late, I was getting up early and I was go, 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 go and my body just shut down and so often, a lot of times what will happen is we will get stopped because our culture is constantly driving us at a pace that we can't keep up with. Culture says, hey, you need to check Instagram, you need to check Facebook, you need to check your phone out, you need to, um, hey, did you watch this show? Hey, news is telling you all this fear stuff and, and all of these things that are just bombarding our life and it's go, 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 and the devices that we have are great, they're used for good things, but at the same time, they create a pace of life where it's just nonstop and we don't slow down. And there's something wrong with the rhythms of our life and our society and what culture teaches us is work harder, work harder, and you'll produce more fruit when God wants to say, hey, I want to teach you a new rhythm of rest. The other day I had the opportunity to go out on a lake at Lucky Peak and we went out and we're playing um, in, in a boat and just several of me and my friends and, and I, I was watching this guy, uh, another boat, and he was pulling a tube and he was just, he had the boat just cranked and full bore and this tube was just skipping across the water. It was flying. I was like, man, this kid is going to break his neck. If he falls off, it is, it, there is no chance he'll just skip across that water. And I stopped and watched that tube flying across the water and lack of control and their inability because of speed, they had no ability to control any of it. And I watched that and I said, you know, that's, knowing that this was kind of on my heart is like, that's the way life is. We can get going at such a fast pace that we're like that tube skipping across the water and we have the inability to have any type of depth in our life. And speed is the enemy of death. What we're lacking today is deep people because we don't know how to slow down. I genuinely believe it's one of the number one things Satan is using to destroy families, friendships, society, our culture. is The more busy we can be, the faster pace we go, the more distracted we are to be able to hear, not hear from God if you want to know how to use a creation, right, if, if I'm putting something together and, and I want to know how to use something that has been created, what do I have to do? I need to look at the instruction book. I need to look at something and go, okay, I'm going to look at the designer. I'm going to look at the creator and what he said, how it needs to be. To get. Some of you are like, no, I don't use instruction books. And you've, do, you've been one of those people. You have put something together and you get to the end and you're like, oh, great. I got to pull it all apart again. And you put, <laughs> I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of that and we find ourselves trying to rush something when if we just slow down and listen to what the Creator says, we will learn a lot. We won't have to do it over. We will actually enjoy a summer. How many of you have, you just did a summer vacation and you just need a vacation from your vacation? All right, anybody like that in here? I just went on vacation with my family a couple of weeks ago and I got back and I'm like, okay, now I can rest. Like, that was work, that was not rest for me. I'm chasing kids, I got four kids, three girls, one boy, and I'm just like, okay, are they happy? And I get back and I'm like, oh, my bed, this is amazing. God wants to create a rhythm of rest in our lives, and as the creator of this universe, as the creator of you and I, he knows best, and I wanna just share something with you that he said to me recently. Psalm 23, I've always gone to Psalm 23 as a comfort verse, it's been a verse, I'm like, the Lord is my shepherd, yes, and he comforts me and all of this stuff. And I've never looked at this verse the way that it stood out to me recently as kind of a harsh verse, like something where he's making me do something. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down. And I just stopped right there, highlighted it, and I was like, wow. God, many seasons of my life, just like physically what he had to do with me, sometimes the good shepherd, a shepherd who loves us, makes us lie down. And I stopped and said, man, God, sometimes you have to make us lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And so I stopped and started looking at this, and I said, man, we see our Creator put this in place early, early in Scripture. You go back to Genesis chapter 2, and I want to share this with you. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 3, um, there's, there's a powerful verse here that, that, that is so packed full that I've never seen before as I was studying this. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested from all of his work. The word rested here means sabbat. It means stop. It means cease, desist. It's where we get the word Sabbath. Whenever somebody says, hey, I'm taking a Sabbath, this is where that word come from, comes from. And verse 3 says this, then God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it, he rested. From all the work of creating that he had done, and what's interesting to me about this is whenever I look at this verse, it's not like God went, okay, I created um, all these things, and six days I created, and God didn't just step back and go, wow, he said, it is good, but he didn't bless those six days, he blessed the seventh day. And he made it holy. And what stood out to me is, is like God created rest. God didn't just create six days. He intentionally designed a seventh day for what? For rest. And he intentionally put this into the rhythm of our life. And he made a decision and said, I did good work on six days. And on the seventh day, I'm going to stop. Not only am I going to stop, I'm going to bless this day and call this day holy holy and he wove into his creation and into the rhythm of our lives an intentionality of saying rest and that's what i'm gonna bless rest was created by god and i stopped and began to reflect on this of saying wow God, this is not, you didn't just create six days and then tell us we had to rest. Like, okay, everybody's stopping. You created rest because you wanted something for us. So good. And I stopped and began to reflect on what that looked like in my life and how inconsistent I am with that. You know, growing up, I often saw Sunday or our, what we called our Sabbath day as a legalistic thing. I grew up in the church and my dad, we were, we were in a very conservative church at the time. And, and my dad was like, you, you can't ride your bike. You can't shoot basketball. I love to play basketball. And, and, and I hated Sundays. Just saying like, I was like, seriously, this is like, okay, Sunday's coming. And for me, it wasn't like, yeah, Sunday's coming. I'm like, oh, how do I get through it? And my dad's like, but what I really learned is my dad just wanted to rest himself. He wanted me to be in bed so that he could actually get some rest from his work all week. But I, I say that in, in joking. I had an amazing dad and mom, okay, just so you know. But, but they, were, they, they were intentionally teaching us to stop. We were intentionally trying to teach that rhythm in our lives. And 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 I, I wasn't seeing it from the perspective of what Scripture was saying. And, and, and whenever we look at this, sometimes we can look at it from a legalistic standpoint, but, but what does Psalm 23 continue to say? It says, verse 3 and 4 says this, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you see, Genesis, whenever it was written, and, and whenever it was written to the same people that Exodus was written to. It was written to the Israelites and, and these people in Exodus 16, Moses is leading them out of slavery and he's, if you know the story, Moses is leading them out of their slavery in Egypt and he's saying, come on, I've got, I've got better life for you and he leads them out into the desert and they go out into the desert and they're, now they're afraid they're going to die of, fa- of starvation and famine and they're like, great, Moses, way to go, led me out of slavery but now I'm going to die of starvation. And they're complaining and they're griping at what Moses has done. And sometimes we have to go through a wilderness journey to actually see God work. Sometimes God's doing the most activity whenever things are quiet, whenever, whenever we're not seeing his work, God's doing the most work behind the scenes. And that was free. That wasn't part of my notes. So I don't know why I said that. But, but then the whole community is mad at Moses and, and he's leading them into the desert to die. And then in Exodus 16, verse 4 through 5, this is what it says. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day, and and, and God starts giving instructions. They are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And in this, I will test them. I highlighted that and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Exodus 16, jump ahead to verse 22. It says, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, and two omers for each person, and and the leaders of the community came and, and reported this to Moses. And he said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath, Tomorrow is a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake, boil what you want to boil, save whatever is left, and keep it until morning. Verse 24, so they saved it until morning, and as Moses commanded, and did not sti- it did not stink or get maggots in it. Good thing, right? And That's nothing like eating food like that. Verse 25, eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. And so he said, listen, I'm going to give you a double portion on the sixth day. Seventh day, you're not going to find any. Don't go look. Clear instruction, right? Nevertheless, verse 27, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, and they found none. Huh, think of that. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Like, come on, guys, I made it obvious to you. And bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day, and no one is to go out, so the people rested on the seventh day. Here's the thing that stood out to me. It's not only did he create rest. He Rest was a form of faith. Yeah. Rest was a form of, I'm going to do this and create rest because I want you guys to learn to depend on me. Yeah. I want you to trust me in this. I can do more with less. So often in our world, we don't rest well. And, and it, this form of faith that The whole idea is God's saying, listen, if you are still, I will still feed you. If I rest, God will still feed me. That if I stop, I won't die. So I have to trust that God would provide for me. It was an act of trust to, to work and to believe God will work for me. It was an act of faith saying, you made creation and you know how it works, so I'm going to submit to you as the creator. I'm not going to try to use me in a way that you didn't design me to be used. I'm not going to try to play the drums. I'm not designed for that. You can thank God for that, all right? I'm going to use me the way that you designed me and I'm going to submit to you know what is good and you created me perfectly with intention to use me in a way that glorifies you. Rest is a sense of trusting him. It's a form of faith. If you use something the way that it's not designed to work, it'll fail, right? Think about, I've got a, I have a truck that leaks some oil. Um, if I drive, <laughs> come on, <laughs> come on. Somebody else said amen, yeah. If, and, and when I drive down the road, I got to pay attention when an oil chain's needed. If I don't change the oil I it's like, well, I gotta get to that next appointment, I just didn't have time to stop, all of a sudden my motor breaks down. Because I need to maintenance, I need to take care of it, I need to rest and fill it with the fluids that it needs to actually operate correctly. It's the same thing in life with a relationship to God. You run out of gas on the road and you're like, oh, I had to get to that next appointment and now you don't even make the appointment. You get stopped by a cop and you're going down the road and the cop pulls you over and what does he ask you? Do you know why I stopped you? And we all are like, there's been times I haven't known, but um, but if you're like me, you're like, uh yeah, I know why you probably stopped me. Um 65, 70, and a 55, it doesn't really go together. Um and, and he's like, Yeah, where were you trying to go to? And I hate it when they ask that. I was like, seriously, like you know I'm in a hurry. Come on, just write the ticket, I gotta keep going, right? And and he's like, where are you trying to get to? Oh, I had an appointment I was trying to get to and I just was rushing, I, I was speeding. And he's like, oh, might not make the appointment now, right? And if you get that gracious cop, he's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show grace on you, slow down, you know what you did wrong. Or if you get the cop that's just like, no, you need to pay the $150 ticket, all right, and, and move on. But when we do things that are not created to operate a certain way, There's instructions to follow, and we don't follow them. Sometimes God stops us and causes us to think. Rest is a form of faith. Drum players, I'm I, I'm I'm amazed at. Like I said, you don't want me playing the drums. And if somebody was to get up here and just pound on these drums and just go 90 to nothing, my kid right now is learning to play the drums, and I'm just like, okay, seriously, like he's got to learn rhythm. He's got to figure this out because pounding on the drums and making noise, it's all about the hit and then the non-hit. It's called rhythm. And if we, what what is rhythm? Rhythm is about rest. It's about the right rest. I can, I, can, I can not play or I can hit, but whenever you get somebody who has a good rhythm and they're playing, sounds amazing, but they have the right rhythm and the right rest. Rhythm is somebody, good rhythm comes with somebody with good rest. It's really good. And what God showed me as I was continuing in Psalm 23 is rest provides restoration. It restores. Look at verse five, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. He's the one restoring what we need. The overflowing that we are supposed to lead from, that we're supposed to serve from, he's, he's overflowing in us because he's the one that provides it. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Genesis 2, verse 3, I reference this. When God said um, he is blessing this day and making it holy, the word bless means to give. I'm giving to you life-generating power. I'm giving to you health-generating potential. I'm giving to you a gift. But what does holy mean? Holy means it's a word of taking. I'm taking something out of holy consecration. I'm pulling out of circulation to make holy is a word of taking god says about the sabbath day i'm going to give by taking i'm going to add back to your life by subtracting something from your life it's it's not supposed to be an ordinary day i don't know about you but for me it's easy for me to on my days off my my sabbath is friday noon to saturday noon i try to just intentionally put that rhythm in my life and So often, what do I tend to do is like, oh, my phone dings and it's like, and my wife's like, don't touch it. (laughs) Or I'm like, oh, there's an email and I've got to follow up. I'm not going to be a good pastor if I don't follow up within 24 hours. And God begins to say, really? 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 Maybe for you, it's, it's your workplace of going, man, I've got this job, and I've got this project, and I've got this bid to get out, and it's go, 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 and God says, trust me in this. Lean on me. I can do more with you stopping and letting me work it out. Tomorrow's coming. Yeah. You can figure it out tomorrow. And God has been teaching me that it's all about, a lot of times, information and not meditation. It's about I got to do the next thing, and it's not about, and, and I need to learn to stop and listen to him. It's, it's about uh, meditation that you get insight. When, when we do spend time meditating with God, we get insight and innovation when we learn this rhythm of rest. My wife actually feels valued whenever I learn to rest. My kids actually feel seen when I learn to stop. And say, dad's not working all the time. In my story, yeah. my office is in my home. We don't have office space right now. And, and my office space is in the front of my house. And it's really easy for me to see that office and go, man, I've got work in there. To, i got to get to. And this pull and this draw, and it's like, my kid's like, dad, what can we do? Dad, you want to go shoot hoops? And I've been guilty of this many times. Saying, man, son, I've got this project. I've got, I've got to just give me, let me get through this, and then I'll, I'll be there. And over time, I'll be there begins, no, dad doesn't exist. Yeah, right. And God said, I want you to disciple and raise your son more than I want you to disciple and raise others. Yeah. Yes. That's right. right. It's very convicting for me. And some of us are good at being fast, but we're not good at being efficient. God says, I'm going to give you life. I'm going to restore you by placing a rhythm of rest in our lives. The Israelites didn't listen either, and they struggled to follow all the instructions and tried to figure it out on their own. And and so, okay, I I can't trust you to do this on your own, so I'm I'm commanding you. You see God say, I can't trust you to do this on your own, so I'm gonna command you. And we see in Exodus 20 where he puts it in the commandments of, no, you have to take a Sabbath day and make it holy. Why did he have to do that with my kids if they don't learn and they don't listen? Eventually, I have to put rules in place and say, all right, I can't trust you with this because you're not following through on it, so I'm gonna make a rule in our house now that this has to happen because I want something for them. I want them to learn the value. And God was doing that with the Israelites. Later in the New Testament, we see where because of all of, of that Later in the New Testament, we see Jesus walking along and Jesus is out in the field and he's picking grain and what do the Pharisees do? They're like, oh, oh, he's, he's not following the rules and they're trying to catch Jesus in this moment and Jesus says, listen, it's not about the legalistic rule of a Sabbath, it's about the heart. And Jesus brings them back about what it was all about is, listen, you guys weren't listening that's why I had to put the rules in place. But this right now, would you rather me feed this person who's hurting or would you rather me not pick grain? And he pointed them to the heart of the matter. So please do not misunderstand me today. What I'm saying is, is a rhythm of rest is about restoring your soul. That's so good. It's about creating a living, a life to the fullest. It's, a, it's truly, you want the best summer ever. It's truly creating a life-giving life giving breath of energy into you, soul care, care for your life to become what it was designed to be. So God creates rest. God, rest is a form of faith. God restores you through rest. And here's the main thing that I want you to hear and understand. The rhythm of rest doesn't mean inactivity with God. It means actively resting with God. Rhythm of rest doesn't mean inactivity with God. It means actively resting with God. I'm going to argue that one of the number one things that God does, that our world, let me say this, one of the number one things our world and our culture forces is a fast-paced life. And one of the number one thing God blesses and makes holy is when we learn to rest. And say, God, I need to hear from you. You see, here's the reality. For me, my work is a lot of mind work. And a lot of times, those that work with the mind need to rest with the hands. What does that look like? So for me, it's one of the most restful things I do is go out and work in my yard. I love landscape stuff. I love to just go out and work in my garden and find time alone. I love to go to the mountains and, and just enjoy a nice hike. And setting aside the emails and setting aside the study time, it's listening. Some of you that work with your hands all week long, one of the best ways you rest is maybe it's in an environment like this or maybe it's in an environment at home where you, where you just, you want to learn or you listen whatever that looks like in your life. What does that rhythm of rest look like? A lot of times we go to a well for the wrong reasons. What is the well that you go to to be refilled so that your cup overflows? There was a time in my season, through all of this that God was saying, hey, you don't need more Netflix, Brian. You don't need, and this is just me, guys, okay? I I, I love a good movie. But God was reminding me of, okay, when you're off, Brian, you don't need to fill your mind with a well that's gonna just dehydrate you more. But go to a well that you know you're gonna get life. Life Life-giving people who speak into you. Maybe it's friends or, or relationships that you can reach out that they're gonna, they're just gonna restore and strengthen you. We learned this through COVID and, and through this journey. I know for our church, going through COVID and everything is like, okay, we know it's not about a building or a space, but I needed life-giving community around me. And a lot of people just ran from that saying, oh yeah, I don't have to be a Christian. and I i, I mean, I don't have to, to do those certain things to be a Christian. True, you don't. It's about a relationship with God. But all of a sudden you start seeing them just be like isolated and dying and finding people, finding themselves depressed or discouraged and it's because they weren't surrounded with life-giving people. I don't know why I said that, that wasn't part of my notes, but. I think for some of us, here's my point, that we need to lean in and say, God, what is something that is life-giving to me? Because God did not tell us to rest and remove ourselves from the activity of what the kingdom of God wants to do. He told us to rest and create a rhythm of rest so that he could provide soul care so that we could overflow into somebody else's life and give something back. So there's two things that God began to challenge me. John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Moses stood back and said, look, watch your salvation show up. Another scripture where Jesus spoke, he said, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. God wants something for you, not from you. God wants to pour into you and give you that new life and an abundant life. There's two things that God challenged me. And it was this, learn to listen and put a plan in place. First one I wanna challenge you with, I just challenge you this next week. Figure out a rhythm to intentionally spend five minutes of just quiet. A guy that I'm discipling right now, we just recently challenged each other to this. I said, man, I just wanna challenge you every day to take five minutes and just stop and don't do a thing. No phone, no email, no, no working, nothing. Just listen. We just went to youth camp last week and I watched these teenagers go up there and, and they didn't have their phones, but we hiked up, did a six mile hike up into Redfish Lake and, and we were walking around up there and we did a little teaching and then whenever we got done, we, we said, okay guys we, guys and gals, we want you to just find a space here on the mountain, just, we want you to just spread out and just we wanna give, give you five minutes to just hear from God. And I watched the power of God in a society, guys, if you if you think our teenagers have it made and have it easy, society is bombarding their minds. And I watch teenagers separate themselves, find a space, and I'll never forget the vision of watching some teenagers sit on this large rock up on the mountain, tears streaming down their face as they stop and reflect about a God who loves them. That their identity is created in him, that he loves them. They're worth something. And I think that's true whether you're a teenager, whether you're a kid, you need to remember that you are worth something. You are valuable. He's created you perfect. He's created you for a purpose, and he wants to fill you and overflow into others' lives. Five minutes a day, what would it look like in your life? You guys are getting ready to go into 21 days of prayer. Don't miss this opportunity. The church is, and the reason we gather is to hopefully inspire and encourage you to just go live out the created design that God has made you with. And and 21 days of prayer is a perfect thing that prayer matters, and it's a perfect opportunity for you to put a new rhythm in your life of saying, I'm gonna set aside time to hear from God. I'm not just gonna fill it with my already schedule and say, okay, how can I fit it in here and go, okay, I checked that box, I did it. No, how can I set aside intentional time for it to be different out of the ordinary and trust God with this and hear from God? I challenge you, figure out ways to listen to the Holy Spirit. Our world pushes us against that. Second thing that I would challenge you to do is put a plan together. Actually. Set down and write a plan of what that looks like in your life. Proverbs thirteen sixteen says this, A wise man thinks ahead, but a fool doesn't, and he even brags about it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't put a plan together, and this is amazing.
0: <laughs>
1: Let me tell you something. You make no plans, you'll accomplish that goal every time. But you put a plan in place, and even if you hit it at 80%, you watch fruit and overflow in your life happen. What does it look like to engage in a plan, a defensive plan, an offensive plan, and protecting yourself? Jeremiah six. Verse 16 says this, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. The rhythm of rest and intentionality and putting a plan in place. God didn't just create six days and go, okay, seven days, just do whatever. No, it's an intentional act of I'm gonna rest and trust God. When we walk in the creator's ways, what will we find? When we find rest for our souls, be still and know there is one who loves you and is worthy of your worship. Put him first, trust him, and he will restore you. My wife has been on a journey for a lot of years. Quick background about my wife. She was raised as a, mission, as a missionary kid. She grew up in South Africa. and. One of the stories in her life was she was, their family was robbed at gunpoint and guys came in with machine guns and as a seven-year-old girl, she looked up and watched all of this, watched her dad ripped out of their home, hauled off and taken out. It created a, unbeknownst to her at that time, it created a sense of severe anxiety. She, oh, I'm strong enough, stuffed that for years, didn't talk to her mom and dad about it and since then has gone through a journey and still experiences severe anxiety today. My wife in that journey has oftentimes got, God, please take this anxiety away from me. Why do I have these panic attacks? God, gone through years of counseling and constantly leaning into it and saying, God, I don't understand. And my wife, a couple years ago, God said, I want you to write it. I want you to tell it. Tell your story. My wife wrote a book and now God has used her story to reach hundreds of people who are experiencing the same thing that were scared to say I'm anxious. Others who are scared to death to, I can't tell people that I can't drive down the interstate, how am I gonna do that because that shows I'm weak. And God says no, I wanna show you you're strong. And God has come along her and allowed that. We don't always understand it, but allowed that journey to happen. And now my wife is studying to be a counselor and God is calling her to help people in trauma. Here's my point. You may be experiencing the wilderness like the Israelites. You may be going through experiences like my wife. You may not understand your current circumstances, but God wants to speak to you in it. He wants to be that rhythm of rest that you need in your life right now and he wants to restore you through it. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. I want to invite you to stand. Those of you that are home, I want to invite you to bow your heads, whether you're here or whether you're home online. God is speaking to someone here today, and he's saying, you need a rhythm of rest. I need you to listen to me. I can do more than you can do with all of it. I can do more with less. Would you just give me some time? Would you give me the ability to Speak into your life, Father. I thank you for your presence here today. I thank you for how you are speaking. God, I never dreamed of planting a church in the, in, let alone and let alone in the middle of COVID. And I needed people who spoke into my life, and I needed God. I needed you to show up. And God, you used one life. You used Pastor Rhett. You've used multiple people throughout this country to invest in making it become a reality. But God, today, there's someone here today that they might not have even planned to be here, but they're here for a reason. You designed for them to hear this message for a reason today, and they needed to learn to trust you with their lives. So as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed today and I, no one looking around, I just want to invite and ask somebody here today who says, Brian, I'm not trusting God for the final product, I'm trying to figure it out on my own, and I'm not trusting Him. First of all, with my heart, and I recognize today that He's speaking to me specifically, and and I don't feel valuable. I don't feel like I'm worth anything, but I need to surrender my life to Him, and I recognize that He can do way more with how He's created me than I can do on my own. That's you today, I just wanna just invite you to raise your hand right where you're sitting and say, I wanna I want to surrender myself to Christ right now. Is that you, anybody in the room? God, I thank you for those who have raised their hand, who have those online or those here in this audience today that, that they have said, God, I'm committing myself to you. God, I give, I'm all in. God, my pace of life has just been full bore, but I'm recognizing that you can do so much more with maybe 90% than I can do with 100%. And God, I just surrender myself to you. And if today you do not know Jesus, you can pray this prayer with me. God, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for trying to think that I could do more than you could do. I want you to be Lord of my life. I surrender myself to you. I give you my all. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Listen, before before we close, if you prayed that prayer, anytime there's shame or guilt in your life, remember that only comes from Satan, it never comes from God. God only affirms you and says, I've chosen you, you're mine. So when you hear shame or guilt of saying I'm not worth this, I fail at this, I'm not a good husband, I'm not a good dad, I'm I'm, I'm not a good worker, whatever, that only comes from one voice and it's Satan. It's not from God. God says I loved you, I died for you, I value you, and I'm going to walk with you as the good shepherd to overflowing. Can we give God (laughs) praise this morning for what he's done in the hearts?
0: Amen.